This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. All right, I want to pray, and then we're going to bring a message to you called Community. Father, thank you for this day, and I'm humbled by your presence. You are here. You have come to speak to us, and I pray that this message will come as clearly in this service, in this hour, as it has in the the beginning hours of this day. For those that are watching, may be just as real in their homes, and thank you for what you have done and you're going to do. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Numbers chapter 13 This is a passage I'm going to tie together with the book of Joshua in just a few moments that I had to use a study in rabbinical teaching to figure out these verses, uh, how you got from one stand to the other. Numbers chapter 13 uh, begins like this. After exploring the land for, and I want you to notice this, 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen, and they showed them the fruit that they had taken from the land. And I want to stop there for just a moment. I want you to understand what they come back saying. They come back to the town, I mean, back to the back to the tribes of Israel, and they say, "Hey, what God promised is true. What God said is real." You can count on it. God said it, and we have seen everything. They, they go on to say, surely the land, the next verse says, surely the land is a bountiful country. It flows with milk and honey, and, and even says, look at the fruit that it produces. Look right here, in verse number 27, it says, look at the, the fruit that it produces. It's amazing. Everything that God said it would be, it is. Isn't that awesome? God always fulfills His word. God always fulfills His promises. God always makes it clear to us that He's able to fulfill His promises. And I celebrate that today because my God is so faithful. But here's the problem. Verse 28, but the people living there, there's always a problem that blocks us from believing God's promises are for us. Here's what they said. God's promises are real. We've seen them with our own eyes. But there's some reasons we can't get there. The people are strong. The towns are large. They're fortified. There's even giants that live in that land. They're descendants of Anak. And so they they start describing, hey, I know God's promises are real, but here's why they can't happen for us. I know none of you have ever dealt with anything like that. I know that none of us have ever dealt with, with, with condemnation and struggles and problems that make us feel like God's promises are for everybody else. Now, I don't know why this story just popped into my heart, and I've got to be honest with you, the first two services today, I didn't preach the same message in both of them because God's been talking to each crowd. And here's what the Lord just put into my heart. I'll never forget several years ago, as back when our church was only in one service and not when we used to have church over in that building. It was way back when we had church in a little tiny building that's gone over there. And I was preaching one day and the Lord, I was preaching on God's going to bless you. God's going to move for you. God's going to take care of your needs. And, and, and I was like, uh, okay, Lord. And as I was preaching it, the spirit of the most high God spoke to me that day. And he said, he said, son, you've preached it and believed it for everybody else. Now it's going to happen for you. And I was like, excuse me, Lord, 
He said, you preached it and believed it for everyone else, and now I'm going to turn it around for you. And I said, okay, well, praise God. I don't know what that means, but all right. So we asked back when we had Sunday night service, and, and so I was pre- getting ready to go up and preach on Sunday night, and just before I go walking up to the stage, somebody comes up and grabs my arm. And I was like, what's going on? I mean, you could see the service was coming to that point. I was like, what's going on? And a man said to me, Pastor, I need you to come back. I've got to talk to you right now. And I said, uh, well, bro, I'm about to preach. He said, it's important. I said, okay. So I gave him the sign, sing a couple more songs, you know, and I go to the back. And I'm like, what's going on? He said, Pastor, God told me to give you this. And he pulls out this check out of his pocket and hands me this check. I said, okay, well, what's it for? He said, no, 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 it's for you. And I said, it's for me. And he said, yes, God told me to give it to you for you, that your family had a need. And I thought, well, well is that what God was talking about this morning? And so I'm, my faith is at a new level. I'm like, God, you told me you were going to move for my family. And you know what? I was like, brother, thank you so much. And, you know, I was being a great man of faith. And, and, and I said, I said, thank you. I'll be right in there. Let me just get my mind back together. He left the room and I opened the check. And I was like, oh my, praise God. And I put that check in my pocket and I went back in that sanctuary ready to preach faith like never before. And just before the last song ended, you know what that man did? He grabbed my arm again. And I said, yeah? He said, come here, i got to talk to you, Pastor. i got to talk to you. And I said, what's going on? He said, he said, Pastor, I gave you the wrong check. And I thought, oh, there goes my sermon on faith. He said, that was my tithes. I was like, well, praise God, the church is going to be blessed. God's good. Thank you, brother. Uh, here you go. Here's the back. He said, here's the one for you. And I took it. And once again, I said, brother, I'll be right back out there. Amen. And I opened that check. And it was like five or six times bigger than the tithe check. And I was like, God, I'm just crying. I was like, God, what's going on? You just told me this morning. But you see... I was able to preach God's promises for everybody else, but I always had this conjunction, like that there's always but. And I couldn't really see them for myself. I couldn't believe that God could bless me for some reason. And you know what? It not only blessed me, but we were able to pay off our debt. We paid off uh, our, our vehicle. My wife was able to go back to college. I mean, God just totally moved in that one moment and it changed so much for us. Why? Because God showed me something. He said, son, you've always preached my promises, but now, and I'm talking to somebody today, it's time for you to believe God's promises for your own life. It's time for you to take all of the reasons why you feel like a failure and all the lies the devil told you and all the lies somebody else told you and push those out of your life and start realizing that if you keep looking on a horizontal plane, that's what we've been talking about, the vertical versus the horizontal. Here's where I failed. Here's where I struggled. Here's why God can't bless me. And I'm going to keep eking along until finally I get a little something out of heaven. You're never going to be blessed. But if you look all the way back to Calvary and realize that in a vertical perspective, God came down and he forgave your sins back at Calvary so that you can be just as blessed as anybody else. All it takes is for you to begin to realize that you need to get out of the way and get God in your vision and then everything else is going to work out. Can I get an amen for that? Amen. And so all these, they start telling all these reasons why they can't succeed and then all of a sudden, this guy speaks up and it's not Joshua, his name is Caleb. And Caleb speaks up and Caleb says, guys, we can do this. 
There's always that one person. God sent me here to build somebody's faith today. I can just sense this message shifting that way. There's, there's always that person, okay? And, and so this guy stands up and says, we can do this if we just trust God. God's promises are for us if we just trust God. Don't you, don't you just dislike that person? I mean, you've justified all the reasons why you've got to stay bound and you've got to stay in your struggles. And they step up and they say, no, no, no. If you have faith in God, do you know what I've learned about that? Sometimes they're not even that spiritual. Sometimes they're not even the person that you're going to be saying, hey, give me a word from God. I'm going to pick on somebody sitting back there for just a moment. I remember several years ago, a young man came to me and he said, I know I'm not serving God. I know I've not been living for God, but God spoke to me. I said, God spoke to you. He said, yes. He said, Pastor, you've, ha- you've heard what's happened to my, to my son, how he walked out into a fire pit that was out and how it just literally scarred his legs and, and messed up his hand and all these things. That, and then the story came back to my mind yesterday and how all the damage that was done in his body. And I said, yeah. He said, it's going to take like nine surgeries and it's going to be all these hours and hours of painful surgeries to correct his body. And he said, God spoke to me. And I thought, son, you haven't, you haven't been to God's house in a year or two. You, I don't, I don't even think you're even talking to God. He said, don't. He said, listen, I'm telling you, God told me. He said, if you'll call him down front, you'll lay hands on him. God going to heal him. I thought, Lord, what am I supposed to do with that? That's not somebody who speaks into my life. I don't don't even know if he's really serving you right now. And he looked at me and said, I need you to do it. And I said, well, then if you said it was God, then we're going to believe what you said was God. And they called him down front and we laid hands on him right here. Some of you remember that we laid hands on that little baby right here. And the next day on the schedule, they took him down to Augusta to have his surgery. And as they took him down to Augusta to have his surgery, all of a sudden uh, they came back out. It's supposed to be hours and hours earlier. And they came back out and said, what you don't understand is that what was put into these casts to protect it until we could do these emergency surgeries is totally different than what we found. Something has changed in the moment. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? Something has changed. And that young, healthy man now, young, young uh, teenager now, at uh, our prime retreat this weekend being blessed. Why? Because God sent me here to tell somebody today, it's, uh, this is not even the sermon I had planned, but it's time for you to realize God has a promise for you if you'll get your eyes off of all the horizontal problems around you and get your eyes onto a God who's faithful and who's able. Amen. So I've got like all these notes and they're all sitting up there going, where's he going? And I'm going to tell you where I'm going to go. I'm going to tell you another story right fast. Can I tell you another story? There was this guy down in Cumming, Georgia. Did not serve God. Did not love God yet in his life. Had not committed his life to, to, to God. His last name was Ramey, okay? And he uh, was a concrete pourer, all right? And uh, he was hired to pour the concrete at a church my dad started down there. And my dad had worked hard and the church had worked hard and they'd raised just enough money to pour half the concrete. Half of it. And so uh, dad brought him to the church and and he met with Mr. Ramey and he said, Mr. Ramey, I, we're going to pour half this concrete. And Mr. Ramey said, okay. Dad had to go do a funeral. So he went to do the funeral. And as he went, I think it was a funeral, went to do the, that ministry time. He said, now look, don't pour more than what we can afford. And this man who wasn't even serving Jesus said, okay, preacher, we'll see you when you get back. And he went and did the ministry time. And then when my dad came back, he, he pulled up and fear shot through his heart because not only was half the parking lot paved, the entire parking lot had been paved. My dad looked at this man who wasn't even serving the Lord at that time in his life. And he said to him, he said, I told you only to do half of the parking lot. 
I told you only to pour half of it. And he said, preacher, what's the problem? He said, I told you we don't have enough money for all of it. And all of a sudden, my dad's, he's like, what am I going to do now? And, and this man looks at him again, that man whose faith wasn't even very strong, looks at him and said, well, preacher, if I were you, I'd have a little faith about it. Come on now. And God changed the moment and changed the circumstance. I came in here with a message, but now I feel something burning in my soul today to tell you that we live in a dark hour. But what we need to have is a little faith in this hour that the promises of God can break through in a vertical plane into the horizontal world that we're living in if we'll just get our perspectives on God. But Pastor Don, I need you to speak the language that I'm trying to listen to. No, no, you need to begin to speak the language God's talking to you with. Because God speaks the language of faith. All right, he speaks the language of faith. Now, this man, Caleb, says, I have faith. And Joshua, he stands up and he, he makes this declaration. He says, 40 years ago, I, I made a stand and God gave me a promise. And God gave me a massive promise. And he says, I'm going to do what God said I could do. And I'm going I'm to go and I'm going to take the land that God promised me 40 years ago. Can I tell you something? There's no expiration date on God's promises for your life. You have not outrun His love. You have not outrun His grace. He loves you. And if He gave you the promise, He's still able to fulfill the promise. God's good. Listen. Because here's the problem. Most of us don't side with the voice of faith. We side with the voice and the narrative of the hour. And here we have 12 spies chosen one each from the finest families in each tribe. And these 12 sons are sent to spy out the land. One of them his, is looked at by many. They're like, why did they choose him? He, he, he's even considered a half-breed by some and because of the pure line of Israel. And, and what they've said to him is, you know, why did you choose him? And, and matter of fact, he'd, be, he'd grown up, they called, him his, they called his name meant dog. They called him just a dog. His name was Caleb. And he said, in spite of where I've come from, look what God has done. He's put me in a position to lead. Then there was this other guy. He was in all the right positions. His name was Hoshua. And Hoshua, he's real excited because not only does he get to go forth as one of the 12 spies, he gets a new name. If your name was Hoshua, you might want a new name too. Moses calls him over and says, Hoshua, I'm going to change your name to Yeshua, which means God saves, because God will save you. And we call Yeshua Joshua. And so Joshua's got a new name, and Joshua, watch this, he just doesn't want to mess anything up. And if you'll notice the whole story, Joshua stays quiet. He just goes and prays about it. But as they get in the promised land, the 12 spies start talking among themselves. They left with all kind of excitement. And by just a few days in, it seemed impossible. They started criticizing and attacking. We can never do this. Look at this. Look at this. And Caleb fought them tooth and nail. And here's where the rabbinical teaching comes in. The rabbis have recorded in the, in the Jewish history that Caleb finally had enough. He said, I have heard your negative narrative long enough. Now I'm going to stop. Do you, do you know... Let me just explain to you the way it kind of works when you preach. When you step on a tripwire or you, something, you could feel something's about to give, if you take another move, you better stop. 
Someone needs to hear me. The negative things you believed about your life, they don't need to control you anymore. They don't need to control you anymore. These 12 have everything going for them. 10 of them do. 11 of them do. One of them, he's just trying to outlive a bad name. But he said, you know what? This is where I'm going to make my name. And I'm going to choose God's way. And so the 11, one of which is quiet, named Joshua, they're all fighting amongst each other. Here's why we can't. Here's how we're going to prove to them we can't. Caleb gets so tired. Rabbis tell us he flees from the group. He leaves the group and he goes to a place called, you would say in, a, in English, uh, Hebron, but Hebron. Hebron. And he goes to Hebron. And there in Hebron, there's a cave. And it's called the Cave of Machpelah. And there inside the Cave of Machpelah are four bodies buried. Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, and Rebekah. You see, he's hanging out with all these people who have no faith. So he makes up his mind, I'm going to stop arguing with you about all the things that you ought to know are true. I just described 90% of your social media feeds. I'm going to stop arguing the things that are true with you that don't want to know the truth, he says. God's Word is truth. And I'm not going to waste my time arguing with you anymore, he said, because watch this, what's happening is you're pulling my perspective down. And when you pull your perspective down, he said, when we see a fortified city, he said, you're looking at it from a horizontal perspective. And a horizontal perspective says, how are we going to get through this? Okay? How am I going to survive this? How are we going to make it through this? And a horizontal, my goodness, I feel the Holy Spirit in what I'm about to say. A horizontal perspective keeps saying, oh, how are we going to make it? Oh, I'm worried about this. We got to stock up on this and we got to stock up on that and we got to get some of this. Because a horizontal perspective says, what do I need to do just to survive? And I've tried to tell you for gener, I mean, for years and years and years now and multiple generations of people being saved for almost 30 years now, I've been trying to tell you, listen to me very carefully. God didn't call you just to survive. He called you to thrive. God wants you to overcome in this hour. God wants you to win in this hour and to stop arguing on the horizontal plane because a vertical perspective sees a problem like Jericho and a vertical perspective doesn't say, how am I going to get through it? A vertical perspective says, how am I going to go over it? How am I going to conquer it? How am I going to win? You see, and if you look at the climate of our world that we're in, you look at the, so the social environment that we're in, you begin to realize something. We need to get back from this hide huddle mentality of the church and realize that we need to get a, a hold of a heavenly host and pull heaven down to earth and become vertically driven so that the world can see the light of Christ in this generation. Amen. Why don't you give that kind of God a praise? Pastor Don, you don't understand how big the problems are all around us. The problem is you're looking horizontal. A horizontal perspective is constantly sizing up life's obstacles against our image. And I'm not big enough to handle them. I can't overcome. I can't win. I can't even survive on my own. But a vertical perspective teaches me a different way. But here's what I have to find. Why would Caleb go to Hebron? Why would he leave them and go to Hebron? 
Because the word Hebron means community and alliance. I want you to get that. Community and alliance. The people you hang out with are super important. The people who speak into your life are super important. If all they're doing is talking hate and negative narratives, you need to go get in a healthy community and an alliance with people who are healthy. Because it's what happened when he got to Abraham. And then you go, well, Abraham's dead. Well, <laughs> here's the beauty of it. I'm still spoken to by the quotes of dead people all the time because they lived where, through worse circumstances than I'm walking through. And I realized the God who brought them out of concentration camps, the God who brought them through World War II, the God who brought them through the darkest hours, the God who brought them through foxholes and out the other side, the God who brought them through pandemics of past generations is the same God that I need today. So when I change my perspective and I hear their words, that's what he went. He got alone, alone with beside those that seemingly were already gone. See, that might be a problem. What we ought to do is stop listening to all the words that are living on our atmosphere today, and we ought to get along with the Word of God that will live inside of us and let God change our perspective. Because here's what he says. He says, this is what I got when I got along with the people of God. But if the Lord is with me, I will drive them out of the land just as the Lord said. You see, the horizontal perspective says, I'm not big enough. The vertical perspective sizes up the problem against our image of God. And I don't know if you know how big he is, but he's awesome. Now, I have made sure that I've come back around to this one point because I want to give it to you quickly today. I want you to get this. You see, if you're always summing up everything in relation to the horizontal, there's a problem. And you're never going to move forward in life. You're never going to be free in life to take the next steps forward. Ecclesiastes says it this way in the 11th chapter in the 4th verse. It says, farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud, they never harvest. Can I tell you that life is never going to be the perfect environment for you to succeed? Amen. And if you wait for perfection, you're going to have a problem. Let me just make some 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 connections here for you in this. You see, the people that he was around had lost their faith, they'd lost their confidence, and they'd lost their vision. But Caleb stood there, listen to me, even though the boat went against him, and it would take 40 years of waiting, but he found a vertical perspective when he got along with a different community. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. We must come into community with faith, confidence, and vision. We must get around people because it's never going to be a perfect climate. You're never going to be in a perfect place to get married, but you still need to. You're never going to be in a perfect place to have children. You may never be in the perfect place to follow your dream. It was during one of the worst times of my life that God allowed me to follow my dream of pastoring. Let me just put it this way. How many of you would think that two weeks before the nation was shut down with COVID that it was the perfect time to start a fifth campus? Can I tell you that God not only let it be started, but in the middle of that climate, it grew 
And it won't be long. You know what they had to tell me this week while I was down there? They said, Pastor, what do you think? I said, oh, it's looking great. They said, no, 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 no. What do you think about our problem? I said, what problem? They said, well, the building's going to be redone and we're meeting down here in this tabernacle building right now while the building's about almost done being remodeled. They said, but the problem is we're out of parking already. Can we add another parking lot? It may not be the perfect season for the world that we're in, but when your eyes are on Jesus, keep walking according to His promises. Amen. I'm going to give you this and, and try to wrap this up today. We have to get the right people and, and prayer both involved in our life. And that's what he discovered in the cave of Machpelah. There he, he literally knelt among those graves of people of faith like Abraham who left everything behind because he was going to serve God no matter what. And the Bible says he looked for a city whose builder and maker was the Lord. No matter what, where anyone else stood, that's what he needed. He was looking for that. Can I tell you what our world really needs? People who are looking not at the darkness, but they have, what did it say? Look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Look up because Jesus is going to return. and He's going to change our world for the good. You see, we all need people around us of faith, confidence, and vision. I wanted to share this with you, and, and, and the Lord didn't reveal this to me until this morning, but uh, I want to share with you something I figured out in my work, and then it was backed up by a teaching by James Dobson. And I don't mean to, if this is what your work is, I don't mean to criticize that, but just listen to my point. James Dobson said, and my, my master's degree is in developmental education, so I, I was noticing a common thread and then found this information that, that he shared. He said, James Dobson said these words, he said, the greatest travesty upon the American education system was the creation, listen to me carefully, of the middle school. Is there anybody still scarred from middle school in here today? What was the creation of the middle school? And so why was that the case? Listen to me. He said, with the creation of the middle school, you caused a group of young people who had no point of direction ahead of them to try to find their direction in the most vulnerable stage of their life. Now, let me explain that to you a little more. When they're in elementary school, when you had elementary and high school, you only had the two. Here's the way it works. You start, you start kindergarten, you're scared to death, but you watch the kids above you. And you learn the ropes as you watch the kids above you till you finally are the highest grade in the class. And then you're teaching the kids below you the proper way to walk. He said, and then you go from that back to high school. You're the youngest one, scared of where your locker is, scared you won't get it unlocked, scared you can't get from this building to that building in time. And you watch the people ahead of you and you learn from the people ahead of you until you're the person ahead, and then you teach the others. He said, but when we took those middle school years out and plopped them in their own school, when they're still trying to figure out who they are in life, he said, you have no one ahead of them and no one below them, so they're just bouncing off of each other, creating their own culture. And he said, the loss of responsibility has 
and the loss of having someone to look to has created generations who only look to themselves. This is important. Because we need people in our lives who have walked this way before us. We need people in our lives who can tell us the stories of faith. We need people in our lives that we know are going to watch what we do and emulate what we do is how they're going to respond to a problem. I'm just going to give you a real practical example. I'm going to talk about Pastor Brandon for a moment. They stayed with us as they came back from camp last night, and I don't know if he got what I was doing this morning or not, but as, as he was moving his vehicle so I could get mine out, the Lord spoke to me. Because I, what I, I do every Sunday morning, every Sunday morning, is I bow my head. After I've already prayed and already prepared, I bow my head when I'm in my vehicle and I say this prayer over you. I say, Lord, I go to your house in the name of Jesus. And I believe your promise where two or three are gathered together in your name, there you will be also. I do that every week. That's the last thing I do before I pull out of my house. Why? Because I believe the Bible literally. And the Bible says where two or three are gathered together in his name, there I will be in the midst of you. So as I, as, as he's moving his car, I thought, well, I'll just take care of that right fast because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to seem super spiritual. And the Holy Spirit said to me, you need to show him that. You see, I'm his pastor. He has a campus pastor. I'm the senior pastor. So I'm ultimately responsible for emulating things to him that he can follow. And I hope that he got that this morning. That it's not just in thought, it has to be in deed. And you've got to have people in your life that are sowing into your life in faith. Why do you think I'm telling you these stories? I'm telling you if God can move for me, he can move for you. You've got to have people in your life who are walked where you haven't walked yet because if you're just bouncing off people only your age, it's like the person who came to me and said, yeah, I'm getting divorced. I said, well, who have you sought counsel from? They said, the people at my work. And I said, well, can you tell me about the people at your work? And they said, I, I, I said, tell me about them. They said, yeah, they're all divorced. I said, do you want your marriage to end a divorce? They said, No. I said, you ought to go find somebody who had to learn to forgive and work it out for a little while and listen to what they have to tell you because when they've walked where you want to get, then they know the the, the pitfalls to get you along the way. The problem, some of you, the reason you feel like you have no direction in life is you're not leading anybody and you're not following anybody. You need to get along with some people of faith who've been where you want to go because our world desperately needs us to become people who are focused on a vertical a vision of what God has called us to do and to make disciples to bring the light into the darkness. Amen. Listen to me, if we become so concerned about being the people that God wants us to be, then it would change everything about us. If this world would become as concerned about sin as it is about a virus, we might all walk different. We might change our lives. But Pastor Don, our whole problem in this world is not a virus. Let me explain to you the next biggest problem we have. What we have is a sin problem, not a skin problem. If we get our hearts right with God, then we get our hearts right with each other. We need God to change all of that. And the way we're going to do that is by getting along with God. So that's the one thing that each one of these weeks is tied together. The way you change planes 
always involves prayer. Prayer is what moves our lives into alignment with God's perspective for who we are. Pastor Don, one guy came into church, and he stood in my office and he said, I'm so sick of hearing you tell me that I need to read my Bible and pray and my life will get better. And I said, you need to read your Bible and pray and your life will get better. He said, there's got to be more than that. I said, yeah, but you got to start somewhere. You see, because here's what I found. That prayer moves us from fighting for God to God fighting for us. So where do you need God to fight for you? What do you need God to do in your life? I want to encourage you. Write this down. Take a picture of it. Whatever, whatever you need to do. I want you to answer this question this week. Are you ready? What does God need to do in your life? Do you have enough faith to believe you can? Several years ago when our church was in the middle of the recession, I didn't know what God was going to do. God told me to make a list. And I said, God, I don't want to make a list of all the needs of our church. I'll just know how much trouble we're in. He said, make the list. And I'm going to give you this just as fast as I can. And, and I said, okay, God. So I made the list. And then I just kind of threw the pen down and said, now I know how much trouble I'm in, God. Good job. And immediately, once the list was formulated, God began to meet my needs and the needs of this church like that. We got half of it in like that. Boom, 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 boom. Half the needs were met. And I was just tears streaming down my face. I bowed my head at my desk that used to be in the old building. I bowed my head and I said, God, thank you. You got us over halfway there. And God spoke to me and said, I'm not a halfway kind of God. I said, well, Lord, I don't know what you're going to do. And he said, call that man who told you he was going to give that big product to the ministry. And I said, Lord, I don't want to bother him. And he said, you call him. And it took work and it skinned up our hands and it took transfer trucks to move uh, when he finally gave it to us. But I called him and this was his statement. I said, are, were you sincere about wanting to donate that? He said, donate that. He said, I've just been waiting on you. And not only was every need of our church met, it met it for the next month also. You see, I couldn't fix it on my own. And I may be blamed, but my God is still able. I might be sick, but he's still a healer. I might be broke, but he is in control. I may be broken, but my God is still able. I may be depressed, but my God is still faithful. I may be lost, but he still delivers. What do you need to fill that blank with this week? Just stand with me in this place. When our perspective stays on the negative feeds of this world, we will never invoke heaven to earth the way God has called us to. God forgive us and God change our perspective. Bow your heads with me in this place. You see, you are a winner, you are an overcomer. God didn't call you to make it through this. So we go, Pastor Don, the children of Israel still had to go in the fiery furnace. Yes, but I guarantee you they came out praising the other side because of who they met in the fire. They didn't go through it. They went over it because it elevated their praise. Maybe God wants to give you a glimpse of who he is in your world. How many of you would say, Pastor Don, I need God to change my perspective? Can I see your hand if that's you? Yeah, over half this body. Saying, I need God to change my perspective. You can put those down. 
I didn't embarrass any of them, and I'm going to pray for them in just a moment, and I'm not going to embarrass you. But there's somebody here, maybe you're watching. You would say, I don't feel worthy. I know God promises to forgive me and to cleanse me and to help me, but I don't feel worthy. See, that's, that conjunction gets in the way. I don't feel worthy. God can, but, but you don't know how bad I am. God can, but you don't know what I've done. God can't. No, 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 no. You're, the blank there for you is I may be unworthy, but God is still able. And you're here today or you're watching today, or you're listening today, and you're listening very carefully to what I'm about to say, if the devil has made you feel your whole life that you are unworthy, and that God couldn't forgive you, and God wouldn't save you, we're going to prove he's a liar right now. Because he's a, the devil is a liar, and he's the father of all lies. And if you're here today, and you say, you know what, I may not be perfect, but I want to surrender my life to Jesus Christ. Can I see your hand right where you are? I'm not going to embarrass you either. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hold them up. Thank you. Thank you. Are there others? Quickly, quickly. Hold them up high. You put those down now. I've seen these in the front, in the middle, in the balcony. Are there others? This is going to be right at 14 or so between the last two services. Are there others? Are there others? This is your day. This is your time. This is your moment. Maybe you're watching and you want to put in right there. Pastor Trey's going to get ready to minister to you. Just put in, today's my day. I want to know Jesus today. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor Don, I know that I've asked Jesus to be my Savior. And you've not already raised your hand, but it's been so long since you've allowed His promises to live in your life that you want to rededicate your life to Christ today. If that's you, could I see your hand quickly? Quickly. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, people all over this room. I want you just to bow your heads right where you are. And I want you to pray with me now. Father, before I lead them in this corporate prayer, I thank you that every stronghold of the enemy is broken. And every lie of the devil is thwarted at this moment. All I can hear is the enemy screaming, unworthy, unworthy, unworthy. That you, you think that maybe you failed him too many times, but God is speaking and declaring over you that you are forgiven, you are redeemed, and you are chosen. I want you to help me pray today as a collectively, all that are watching, all that are present, everyone involved in this moment, pray with me. Even if you're driving down the road listening right now, I want you to pray with me as we pray with these many that are going to surrender completely to Christ today. Pray with me now. Jesus, by faith, I believe your promises. Heavenly Father, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I am not able to save myself. But from this moment forward, I receive your grace, your forgiveness. Cleanse me. And in Jesus' name, I receive the gift of salvation. My God is able to save my soul. And now I declare, God is my Father, heaven is my home, and Jesus is my Savior. Father, I thank you for those many who've responded today. I thank you for the joy of the Lord that's filling our hearts now. And Lord, for those present and those watching who've said, I need God to help change my perspective. 
Lord, now, my goodness, somebody, you didn't raise your hand, and even my eyes are closed right now. You need to, to lift your hand if you know, if you thought, well, I missed my chance. God, I need you to change my perspective and each of their perspectives now so that we might become conduits of a heavenly plane that wants to invade this plane we live on. Father, that the third heaven might invade this heaven in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Come on now. Would you give God a praise today? God is so good and so faithful. Amen. That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at Warhill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find real love now.